Well, our scripture reading comes from Malachi chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 6, which is page 802 in your pew Bible. It will actually be the the last book in the Old Testament, uh, so uh, right before Matthew. And we'll also read from Luke uh, chapter 11. Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Now I need to put on my eyes. (laughs) Very good. And do you mind, would you please rise for the reading of God's Word, if you are able. Now we didn't list Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, but uh, we know uh, Exodus 20, 12, Therefore honor your father, that your days may be long, in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So we have the command to honor our fathers. But from Malachi chapter 4, the first six verses here. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. That day is coming, and it shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch, but for you... You who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness, shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out and leaping like calves from the stall. And you shall tread down the wicked, and they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I command, commanded him at Horeb for all of Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet, before that great and awesome day of the Lord when it comes, and He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with the decree of utter destruction. And then from Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 13, which tells us what a wonderful father we have Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 13. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Amen. The grass withers, the flowers fail, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Amen? Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, which is a lamp unto our feet, a light for our path. It's inerrant, infallible, authoritative and true. We now pray, Father, that you would speak through your servant unto your servants. Open our hearts, our minds, 
our entire persons under the message. You would have us to hear and understand and apply. Father, we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Today I want to give a Father's Day message, but you know, don't tune out if you're not a father. How many of you here have had or have biological fathers, right? Most of you. For those who didn't raise your hand, I want to talk to you after the service. But (laughs) these principles, however, can be applied whether you're a mother or a brother or a sister or a cousin or just a neighbor. Uh, So uh, please don't tune me out. (laughs) But happy Father's Day to all our fathers who are here or, or from afar. I pray that you do have a blessed one. The practice of Father's Day began in America in 1910. Uh, In 1966, uh, President Lyndon Johnson actually signed a presidential proclamation making the third Sunday in June uh, Father's Day, but it wasn't until 1972 when President Nixon uh, signed a permanent national observance of Father's Day, making it a holiday on the third Sunday of June each year to honor our fathers. Not a bad idea. After all, the Lord in the fifth commandment says, honor your fathers that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given given to you. Well, what does it mean to honor our fathers? I mean, God thought it so important that he put it in, in the top five of all of his commandments. Children, remember this, and and you'll be successful in life. What God considers important, we should consider important. And... <laughs> Just because our, our, our fathers may have gone on to be with the Lord doesn't mean that we cease from honoring them. We continue to honor our fathers by our lives, our thoughts, our words, and our actions. And so we see from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, that honoring our fathers is not an option. It's, it's a command. You can't say, well, I'll honor my father if he lets me do whatever I want. If I, if I can stay up or if I can eat all the ice cream in the house, then I'll honor him. You can't say, well, I'll honor Dad if he quits telling me about all the mistakes I've made in my life. There are no options. There are no conditions. It's a command. God requires us to honor our fathers, except, of course, when they would have us to sin. And then we refrain. And when our earthly fathers come to, come to their senses, they'll thank us uh, for honoring God. The Hebrew word, word here for honor in Exodus chapter 20, 20 verse 12 is kebed. K-E-B-E-D. Marriage counselor Gary Smalley says this, this word kebed is used uh, uh, to describe uh, the, the actions of a camel. When a camel bends its knees to allow its, its owner to get on or off. To, to honor our fathers is to submit, is to kneel uh, to them and to submit to their authority. In, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, the Greek word here in Ephesians 6, 1, tamao, is translated obey. Some translations say honor. So children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. To honor our fathers is to obey them. In fact, in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 21, we read that uh, rebellious and disobedient children were to be stoned. God considered the way that we honor our fathers to be very important. To honor our earthly fathers is to honor our heavenly Father. The word honor also means to take care of, to give proper recognition. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 3, it says, give a proper recognition. 
to those in need. The word is uh, uh, the same word that's translated honor. John Calvin mentions the stork. The stork as, as our example here. He says young storks supply their parents with food, their older parents with food, when their parents are worn out with old age. And they bear their parents on their shoulders when for feebleness their older parents cannot fly. Storks do that in taking care of their parents. How much more so should we, who are created in the image of God, take care of our parents, especially in their older age? And I know that some of you have done that, and some of you are doing that, and it's, it's a ministry of mercy and, and great love. But why wait until your parents are, are older, my age? Your parents need you now. To honor your parents is to take care of them, to help them around the house. That's one way that you show honor to your parents. Reverend Billy Graham was known to the world as God's ambassador or pastor to the presidents. But to his five children, he was simply known as daddy. (laughs) Reverend Graham writes, a good father, a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. And it's true. Sigmund Freud once wrote, I cannot think of any need in a child as strong as a need for a father's protection. We just read a a hymn with that verse of the father embracing us close to him. And surely our Heavenly Father provides us protection. Psalm 46, God is our rock. God the Father is our refuge. He provides protection. But He also provides wisdom. A theologian and and author, C.S. Lewis, who wrote Mere Christianity, The Chronicles of Narnia, and so many other books, uh, writes concerning receiving wisdom from his father. An almost perfect relationship with my father was the earthly root of all my wisdom. An almost perfect relationship with my father was the earthly root of all my wisdom, C.S. Lewis. And likewise, an almost perfect relationship with our heavenly father is the uh, heavenly spiritual root of all our wisdom. In Malachi's day, that we read from chapter 4 of Malachi, however, a father is warrant seeking a perfect relationship with their heavenly father. You would have thought that having just returned from the Babylonian exile, having rebuilt the second temple, that the uh, people of Judah would have been clinging to the covenant. However, it's just the opposite. Worship had become corrupt. Family relationships had become corrupt. And Malachi reminds the people in those days, as we are reminded today, remember God, remember the covenant. Repent of sin. And when we do, we read one of the most hopeful verses in Malachi chapter 4, verse 6. It's like a light shining in the darkness. It's like hope is on its way. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and children to their fathers. I've counseled a lot of uh, families in my day as a pastor. Here at the church, 24 years as a chaplain, 
in the military. And oftentimes I'm asked to refer uh, a good book, a good parenting book, or a, a, a good marriage book. You want a good marriage book? Here it is, the Word of God. You want a good parenting book? Here it is, the Word of God. Right here, the Word of God. Malachi reminds us that we all need to turn back to God and turn back to the Word of God. Luke chapter 11 reminds us that God desires to give you good things. He's a a, a good father. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. If evil men know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? God wants to help fathers, fathers, be fathers. But you got to go to Him, to Luke chapter 11, and ask Him to give you the Holy Spirit because you can't do it in your own strength. And God wants us as children to honor our fathers, past and present. But we can't do it in our own strength. We need to go back to Luke chapter 11. We need to go back to the Word of God. We need to go back to God and ask for the Holy Spirit's help. When I was a a student at Mississippi State University, go Bulldogs, we're in the World Series, aren't we? Okay, amen. (laughs) I worked at a children's home known as Palmer Home for Children. It was a, a home for neglected, abandoned, or abused children. Some of you know of it and have been there. One day I asked uh, uh, one of the teenagers, uh, Eddie, Eddie, what is one of the, the, the things that you don't like about living here at Palmer Home? And he sat silent for a moment and he looked me in the eyes and he said, well, I guess the worst thing about living here is the time when people like you leave. And it struck right to my heart. I knew I would graduate from Mississippi State. I knew I would be leaving. The children knew uh, that I would be leaving, but the pain and the void would be there still nevertheless. And Eddie's words struck right to my heart, I guess knowing that one day you too will leave. Children, no matter what their age is, are looking for permanence and stability in their lives. It's a permanence and a stability that can uh, and, shall I say, must come from their father's. After all, doesn't our Heavenly Father say in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, one of my favorite verses, Hebrews 13, 5, God the Father says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, God the Father says, be strong and courageous. Meditate upon this word day and night, and I will be with you wherever you go. Psalm 23, when you walk through the the valleys, God the Father says, I will be there. My rod and my staff will will guide you and comfort you. Uh, Psalm 46, verse 1, God the Father says, I am an ever-present help, always present help. Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, the Lord is near. He's not gone anywhere. Jesus reminds us in Matthew 28, yea, I go with you always unto the ends of the age. And to the ends of the earth, he will never forsake us. He will never leave us. He will never abandon us. A child is not likely to find a father in God. A child is not likely to find a father in God unless he or she finds something of God in his or her father. Did you hear me? A child is not likely to find a father in God 
unless he or she finds something of God in his or her father. Let me give you a few principles that help fathers turn their hearts to their children and children to the hearts of the fathers. Principle number one. Fathers, be present in your children's lives. Spend time with your children. A father and his young daughter were much in each other's company. Then the father noted a change in his daughter. If he went for a walk, the daughter excused herself. He grieved about it, but he could not understand. And when his birthday came, his daughter presented him a pair of fine, exquisitely worked slippers. And then the father understood what had been the matter all those months. And he said, my darling, I love these slippers very much, but next time, buy the slippers and let me have you all the days. I would rather have my child than anything she can make for me. And the same can be said of us fathers towards our children. Sometimes we are so busy providing good things, legitimate things, working, cutting the grass and fixing the car and doing so much to provide for the children, but sometimes we sacrifice the best thing, and that is uh, time with our children. Uh, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus uh, reminds Martha, who was busy in the kitchen, that Mary had chosen the better to spend time with him. Revelation chapter 2, uh, the Lord says to the church of Ephesus, I know your deeds, I know your hard work, I know your perseverance, but I miss your first love. Now, I'm not telling you fathers to go quit your jobs. I'm not telling you uh, not to fix your cars and, and not to mow your grass, but uh, there's a balance. And a good book that I, I would recommend would be uh, Gordon McDonald's Ordering Your Private World, which is a great book for fathers and balancing all the, the many uh, things that, that we balance. Spend time with your children. Uh, Max Lucado, uh, the, the, the great author there, uh, Max Lucado writes, My father didn't do anything unusual. He only did what dads are supposed to do. Be there. Be there. So I encourage you to spend time with your children. Uh, Benjamin Franklin uh, once said, Does that love life? Then do not squander time, for that is the stuff life is made of. Principle number two. Be a spiritual leader to your children. I was a camp counselor at camp, uh, camp of the Rising Sun in French Camp, Mississippi. And that summer, a boy named Michael, a poor little boy named Michael, came to my cabin. His, his, his mother uh, told me about Michael, who had, had always been fighting weeks before in the neighborhood. And she wanted me to talk to him. So as we walked around the lake or as we sat around the campfire, I would open up God's Word and, and I would talk to Michael about uh, the Lord and, and about fighting and uh, we would pray together and uh, at the end of the week Michael went home and uh, he was playing in, in the neighborhood and, and, and that young uh, bully uh, came up to him and uh, said let's fight and Michael uh, said well uh, I don't want to fight you my camp counselor said God says that we shouldn't fight I, we should love each other would you believe that bully, with, with both fists clenched, went up to Michael and said, well, do you want to be my friend? Michael's mother recounted that story to me uh, on the phone, and she wanted to get a young Michael back into the camp. Proverbs 22, verse 6, Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Deuteronomy 6, 7, Impress God's commandments upon your children. Talk to them 
uh, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, bring your children up in the training and instruction of the Lord. After the death of Joshua in Judges chapter 2, verse 10, it says, after that generation had been gathered to the Lord, another generation arose who knew neither the Lord or, or what he had done for Israel. Fathers, let it not be that our children grow up who do not know the Lord or what he has done for us. Don't tell them to say their prayers. Get on your knees and pray with them. Do not tell them to read their Bibles. Read the Bible to them. Be spiritual leaders to your children. Principle number three, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. James chapter 1, verse 19. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Not every day at camp was fun for me. I remember developing a terrible ear infection from swimming with the kids a few days before. Every time I moved my head, it hurt. When I put my head on the pillow, it hurt. And the boys had been in bed for well over half an hour, still laughing, still making those funny noises that boys do, talking to each other and, and laughing and kidding, and feeling very sick and irritable, I hollered, enough. Enough. Whoever says another word is going to lose his camp store tomorrow, meaning he can't get any ice cream. So about five minutes had passed, and I got up, and I was going to go see the camp nurse because I really, really was hurting. And I told the boys, no one's to speak. I left them in charge. Uh, I left my uh, assistant counselor there in charge of the boys. And I painfully walked to the, across the cabin and began opening the screen door when all of a sudden I hear Chief Shannon slowly shutting the door, looking at the ground, tired, irritable, angry, hurting, and sick, I impatiently and exasperatingly responded, What? <laughs> and I lifted up my head, and I looked up at the top bunk of that bed, and there was young little eight-year-old David with both arms stretched out, and he said, I just wanted to tell you that I love you, and I'm going to pray for you, and I hope you feel better. I've never felt more small, and I'm pretty small, <laughs> in all my life. My slowness to listen, and my quickness to speak, and my quickness to become angry, I almost lost out on a special moment. And I went up to David and I apologized. And I gave him a hug and I told him I loved him too. And I went to the camp nurse, walking down that camp trail, feeling very ashamed of myself. And you know, I couldn't help but think of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Or Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. I could have discouraged David. I was fortunate. Perhaps the next time he felt like giving someone a hug or telling someone that he loved him, uh, perhaps he would, would decide not to, or perhaps he would feel that he couldn't. 
No, fathers, we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The final principle, principle number four, uh, fathers, give your children focused attention. Focused attention. I really like the way Dr. Ross Campbell in his book, How to Really Love Your Child. If you haven't read that book and you're a parent, uh, uh, I, I would uh, strongly encourage that book, How to Really Love Your Child, Dr. Ross Campbell. Uh, he's also written a sequel, How to Really Love Your Teenager. And he has a, a lot of other books that are, that are good. He defines focused attention as such. Focused attention is giving a child our full undivided attention in such a way that he feels without doubt that he is completely loved that he is valuable enough in his own right to warrant his parents' undistracted watchfulness, appreciation, and uncompromising regard. In short, focused attention makes a child feel that he or or she is the most important person in the world in his or her parents' eyes. And the goal of such focused attention is so that the children can see God in their fathers, so that they can see a father in God. The purpose of such focused attention is to lead our children, no matter what age to their heavenly Father. After all, in Mark chapter 10, uh, isn't that what Jesus did? I mean, people were bringing children to Jesus, but his disciples were telling him, go away, go away, the Master is busy. He's got way too much to do. Who do you think you are bringing these children to the Master? He's so busy. Go away. And when Jesus saw this, when Jesus heard this, his disciples doing such, he was indignant few places in the Bible that say where Jesus was mad, Jesus was angry, Jesus was indignant. One of the places was when people were bringing children to him and his disciples were pushing them away. But Jesus shows us what focused attention is all about. And he says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And he took the children in his arms and he touched them, and he blessed them. That's what focused attention is all about. I taught arts and crafts at camp. (laughs) And I remember uh, we had 27-year-olds busy working on their their projects, hammering away. And uh, after the hour had passed, a young boy came up to me crying. And I asked, what's wrong? And he lifted up his unfinished project, and he said, nobody helped me, he cried. (laughs) And even though we had done our best to show all the campers focused attention, still some fell through the cracks. And I mentioned this story only to emphasize one point, that focused attention is an ideal, it's a goal, we won't always be able to reach it, We should have the proper attitude of reaching it. The real problem is not so much when one child out of 20 doesn't receive our our focused attention, but when one child out of eight or five or three. The many God-given opportunities to make a child feel so loved and so special are too often passed because we adults get into the habit of busyness. This is a great story that talks about focused attention and spending time with our children And I'll I'll close here in a moment. It says, In the diary of the father of a great humanitarian was found a description of a day that the father went fishing with his son. The father laments how the day was a total loss because the son seemed bored and preoccupied, saying very little. The father even wrote in his diary that he would probably never take his son fishing again. Many years later, a historian 
uh, found the diary and, and found those notes. And with curiosity, he compared that entry with the entry uh, on the same day of the son's diary. And the son exclaimed, what a perfect day it had been all alone with his father. He described how deeply meaningful and how important it was. So these four principles, uh, spending time with your children, being a spiritual leader, uh, 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 giving focused attention uh, to, your, to the children, and, uh, and um, what was that third one? Oh, yes, be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become, become angry. Uh, uh, again, remember, uh, children cannot see a father in God unless they see a father in their children. So let me close with this, uh, this poem. I, I really like this poem. It's called In Daddy's Step. I watched him playing around my door, my neighbor's little boy of four. I wondered why a child would choose to wear his dad's old worn-out shoes. I saw him try with all his might to make the laces snug and tight. I smiled to see him walk, and then he'd only step right out again. I hear him say, his voice so glad, I want to be just like my dad. I hope his dad, his steps, would choose safe for his son to wear his shoes. And then a shout and a cry of joy, a hello, dad, and a hiya, boy. They walked along in measured stride, each face aglow with love and pride. What have you done today, my lad? I tried to wear your old shoes, dad. They're big. But when I am a man, I'll wear your shoes. I know I can. They stopped and stood there hand in hand. He saw his son's tracks in the sand. And his words of prayer came back to me. Lord, let my steps lead him to thee. Lord, let my steps lead him to thee. Happy Father's Day to all our fathers. We love you. Let us pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for being our Father. And we would like, Father, to reproduce and reflect your fatherly ways unto the children and those that you place in our lives. Bless all of our fathers, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.